Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, and Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2013. And what I'm realizing is the, in a couple of weeks, the sixth year of the Songs and Stories podcast. Holy cow, where did the time go? I'm Michael Gaither. This is Songs and Stories, and thank you for tuning in, downloading, clicking, however you found this thing. I appreciate it, as do the artists that I, I get the chance to talk to on this show. I haven't done one of these in about a month, which has kind of become a monthly podcast. I got busy with uh, the holidays, and uh, I'm back on track, and it looks like we've got a few things in the queue, including this one today, uh, which is a, a chat with a very good pal of mine who I met at the American River Music Festival. Oh, gosh, it's probably... I think I met Dana Hubbard five years ago, and I realized that the he was on this the show a, a while back, and it was three and a half years ago. So we actually have some history and go back a little ways. Pretty cool. Dana's a great award-winning songwriter, blues guitar player, and if you go way back in the annals of songs and stories to podcast number sixty-four and sixty-five, which are on my website at michaelgather.com, uh, we we heard Dana's story about how he really played with the full band throughout the 80s and made a living as a musician. That's pretty much all he's done is made a living as a musician and did a lot of, you know, club and corporate gigs and, and did fairly well. And then when the when the 80s were over and the a lot of the big corporate parties were over and the club scene kind of died down for a lot of reasons, uh, he decided to, he realized that, you know, financially the, the band thing wasn't making any sense. So he decided to go solo and he... He, he bought a small fuel-efficient RV, hit the road, and he's been doing festivals and house concerts ever since and making it work. And we heard that in detail uh, in, the, in the, the last time we talked to him, again, three and a half years ago. I talked to him recently, and he was coming back to California after a what sounded like a long trip. I, hadn't really, I didn't really have the details on it. And uh, so I said, well, come by the house when you're... Because he's based out in Berkeley. He has a brother that lives about... 40 minutes south of me in Pacific Grove, Monterey. So I'm a good stopover to kind of, you know, he can check in and we can visit a little bit. So he stopped in and I tur- it turns out that this, this trip he was on was actually a seven-month tour. He was gone from home living in his RV for seven months. And he went uh, all the way to Minnesota and back, played gigs along the way, obviously. And it was quite an adventure. And I think, as you'll learn in this conversation, that he... He realized, you know, how far he'd like to travel as far as time-wise and distance, because it was kind of it was a long it was a long trek. So that's what we're going to hear about. He also has a brand new record out called Lightning's Cadillac, which uh, I, you know, I I get a lot of CDs, and I'm not saying that because it's Dana's CD, but this is really is one of my favorite records of last year. It's just it's real. The songs are great. The playing's great. Uh, you know, it's pretty much just him and a couple of you know little things backing him up and some great songs and. What we're going to do is hear a couple of cuts off of that, and then we'll uh, talk to Dana Hubbard around my kitchen table. Um, the way Songs and Stories works is you can go to my site at michaelgather.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. 
And there'll be a blog entry right there on the top for Songs and Stories number 123, which is his interview with Dana Hubbard. And I'll put links to his site, uh, his tour dates, how you can buy his CDs, and all of that kind of stuff. So let's hear a couple of things. Let's hear, uh, I love this tune, the Rubber Band song, which I've heard live for a couple of years. and It's nice to finally have it in my hand. Uh, the Rubber Band song, and then we'll hear a little bit of It Chooses You, and then we'll talk once again, three and a half years later, to Dana Hubbard around my kitchen table. Here we go. Life is a funny riddle What is it all about? Millions and billions of people They just can't figure it out Love's the only reason I can't think of nothing else Life is a celebration So decorate yourself Cause there's no way to love Without losing your heart It's gonna happen anyway So you may as well start So come on and put on a funny hat And dance a little tune Blow kisses at the stars Shoot a rubber band at the moon Wave at the alien Flashing your tattoo, blow kisses at the stars, shoot a rubber band at the moon. Thank you. 
So I think we're recording. So we've been talking for the last four hours off the record. <laughs> Let's talk about you. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Thanks, man. I'm tickled to be here, Michael. <laughs> so first of all, how was Minnesota? <laughs> you've been you, so. How long were you on the road? Let's talk. Let's let. You've been on the road I, for how long? Seven months. Wow. I left in April. I started in the Northwest, went down through Idaho, Utah, uh, ended up in Texas. I started in the Northwest in April. Oh, I said that. And I went down through those other states. And then uh, by May, 1st of May, I was in Texas. Wow. And I spent six weeks in Texas. And that was wonderful. Uh, just played like, I think, nine house concerts nice. in uh, that time period. And just went from one end of the state to the other. I love Texas. I mean, Texas has really uh, been great for me. And I'm, I'll be going back in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, for that, that Story Festival. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And which festival is that? What's it called? It's called George West Story, George West Story Fest. Uh -huh. And it's, um, uh, forgive me, I should have looked up the author. It, it's basically a festival that was started to celebrate this author from I believe the 40s. Okay. That is from that area. And then um, this festival has grown up around it. And it's just, it, it brings in lots of literary people. And the focus is storytelling, you know, nice. oral storytelling. Right. Yeah. So I'm really tickled. And uh, somebody saw me at a San Antonio house concert that was connected with the festival. And, oh, very and cool. Just went from there. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'll be their I'll be their featured musical act. They usually have one. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I'll find the information about. It. I'll link it on the podcast okay, cool. notes. Yeah. So sorry, I should know more. I, I wish I knew the author's name. Yeah. Uh, but, so was the tour entirely house concerts? It was almost exclusively house concerts mm -hmm. with a few festivals thrown in, and um, that's a, a long trip. It's way yeah. It was way too. Is long. that your longest tour? Yes. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> it, no, it was, it was too long. Yeah. It was uh, too long and too far, but I suppose you have to do that once to figure that right, out. You know? Right. What are my limits? How far can I go? Minnesota, apparently. Or, or, or seven months is probably. Yeah, I think I think both. And I think there were... there were As far as driving, anyway. Yeah, yeah as far as driving and distance. I, I was surprised at myself. I, I was surprised to find... When I got to Minnesota, I felt really far from home, mm. and I think it it, it combined. I was tired, and um, uh, to be quite frank, um, uh, the recession is really impacting uh, uh, turnout, attendance at house attendance concerts, at house concerts. shows in general. It shows in general, and then you have the top down thing where it's driving major artists that normally we don't compete with right down into the house concert i mean there's you know artists like daryl scott and stuff are doing house concerts and stuff wow so now all of a sudden we're competing against that and of course the house concert hosts um they're real excited to get those people and they they deserve to be you know? yeah, yeah yeah but so the, so the recession is really impacting and i came back with a bunch of stories about that house concert house hosts who, uh, once I got to know them fairly well, were, were sharing a lot of stories with me about how the whole dynamic of hosting house concerts and uh, the, and their relationship with the artist and or the agent mm -hmm. of the artist is, is really shifting. Hmm. Yeah, and it may be a permanent shift. I mean, I, yeah, it's I've, been happening for a while. It has, and I think it's because the recession has lasted long enough 
to change people's habits around uh, disposable income, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. So for me personally, what it means is I have to kind of just reassess my own expectations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because there's still nothing better for the soul singer songwriter out there than house concerts. Mm-mm. It's intimate. It's personal. Absolutely. You're talking right to your audience. Yeah. You're playing to 30 or 40 people that have come to hear you specifically rather than you know staring at a coffee house on a Wednesday night mm-hmm. of 10 people that... Might that, listen. Yeah, might listen and <laughs> might ignore you. Yes, exactly. And we talked about this earlier, but what was the, what, out of this whole tour, what was the funnest show? That show I had was when I got back to California. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere, um, just stay home. Exactly, up in Grey Eagle. I mean, they did a great job promoting the show. The whole town was, you know, expectant of it. It was actually not in a house, but it was quote unquote a house concert. Mm-hmm. It was downtown at um, this woman, uh, at her uh, kind of little coffee shop and she has a big outdoor area and mm-hmm. they were just ready to go and, and it was well attended uh, so I'm here here I am you know back in California after a seven month tour playing my best show in, in Grey Eagle California nice. so that's the nature of the of house concerts which which actually it's an aspect that I love mm-hmm. it takes me into areas that, that typical artists would never go right you know and so I, there's a lot of stuff I love about house, that whole house concert phenomenon, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Yeah. And probably, I mean, I mean, my experience is obviously more limited, but I think with a lot of house concerts, you find people that sometimes normally don't go out to live music. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And what a wonderful thing that that these people now have a, a an avenue. To go out and listen to real quality music in a in a, a setting that for them is enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, uh, I don't know the last time you went to a bar, but I don't particularly go to bars a lot. Friday, <laughs> well, there you go. But uh, and Thursday, but there's. A, can I give a context? Can I, yeah. get, can I back up? I host an open mic at the Wooden Nickel here in town. It's a bar saloon, and my guitar player, my friend Aaron, who plays with me, his band played at a bar on Friday night, and we hadn't gone to one of his shows yet, so I. It was time to support Aaron, so we went to see his band play. And they were called The Breakfast Show, and they're wonderful. So, <laughs> otherwise, I don't usually hang out in bars, but no, nah, just last Thursday and Friday, but no. Ah, uh, we know more about you now. <laughs> Go ahead. So, yeah, uh, uh, I love, uh, and, and the thing is, you're, all, you're oftentimes, this is how I say it, you're out on the road, you're isolated, you're, you spend a lot of time by yourself and in areas where no one knows who you are or you don't know anyone. And then you come to a house concert and you're immediately brought into typically a community of people. They, they usually, most of them know each other mm-hmm. or at least they have connections. And it's usually uh, a community um, kind of grouped around um, kind of common, common interests, common principles, you know. Um, or at least locale. Exactly. And, um, um, I'll tell you a little anecdote about um, this house concert I did in Nebraska, and um, it was literally a little town called Davenport, Nebraska. It's lost, literally lost in the cornfields. Hmm. It's unbelievable. And and but the house concert host wanted me to come, and he said, "Well, I can't. Uh, I'm I'm trying to do several things at once, and we're we're having our we're having our first kind of grand opening of our." Our farmers market, mm-hmm. and he said, "I can't do a house concert at the same time. Would you like to play for the farmers market?" 
I said, sure. It was like on a Thursday night, you mm -hmm. know? and I was going through there anyway. It was one of the, that was one of the funnest ones out in that. Situation. And it was unexpected. Unexpected. I yeah. mean, this wonderful group of people, and this guy is leading a renaissance in this wow. little Nebraska farm town um, around farmers market and other things. He's mm -hmm. he's doing other things, and it's not like he's not part of the community. His wife, it's how he got there. Mm -hmm. His wife, her four brothers own like some big four thousand acre corn farm. Hmm. So um, it's they're they're definitely part of the community, and the community uh, is is embracing them also. So that was just a hugely heartwarming thing to do, and I had a blast, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things about touring that way is, is you you kind of have to be open to uh, to those kind of situations. But so often um, they're just wonderful, and you meet these people you'd never meet. Right. Know? I would have right. never met this guy, you know. And he's, they wouldn't be at a festival. They wouldn't be at exactly. A, they wouldn't be in a bar. They wouldn't right. Be they wouldn't be in a big venue. Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. Wow. So anyway, I kind of have to pinch myself occasionally, you know, that I get to do this wonderful thing. You know? That's nice. Yeah, and for folks that, I mean, you've been on this show a couple of times, but it's been a while. Yeah. Nice to have you back. Thanks. Nice to be back. <laughs> and um, so let everybody know, like, how do you, how do you tour? It's kind, of, it's kind of unusual. It's not that unusual, but well, um, I you're tour, kind of self-contained. I am. I, uh, I had the opportunity in 2006 to um, take all the money I had and put a down payment on uh, uh, an RV, a fairly fuel efficient RV. Um, and that's how I tour. And uh, I love it. It's a lifestyle. Um, and uh, there are times when you're on the road and you, I have to talk to myself. I have to say, you know, dude, you chose this. So get, get you know, buck up here. Um, but then there's it's other times. a long times... way to miss Minnesota, but this is what you wanted to do. <laughs> exactly. So. But there are other times where you just are like, "Holy cow!" You know, what I get to do? How did I? How did this happen? Yeah. Look, I'm getting to well, do... like the Iowa experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or Nebraska. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you the worst experience. I'll, I'm not going to just give you the the one end. Um, the gig, the show that got me to go all the way to Wisconsin, I made thirty bucks. Hmm. Hmm. Three people showed up, no, and no. and two of them. One was a friend of mine and her brother. Wow. So it, it doesn't always go well, but right. you have to balance it out, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you know, I, I did a big house concert in uh, Minnesota for 100 people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, way up there where they talk like Fargo, you know, and, and I love it. And, uh, and these people were wonderful, and it was just really fun being with them and, mm -hmm. and getting to know them. And you wouldn't have been able to meet these people if you hadn't been traveling in an RV doing house concerts. That's absolutely the true. Country. Now, of course, the, the people do tour uh, doing house concerts in cars. A little different um, in that they are oftentimes either being put up in a hotel or staying in a hotel mm -hmm. and or um, the house concert hosts might put them up in their house. Mm -hmm. So both of those, those ways. But for me... Um, having the RV, I'm, I'm not a person that really likes to be away from home. That's why I wasn't doing a lot of touring earlier okay. in my career. And I, and and so for me to kind of have my home with me is a huge deal. And it gives me my little space to retreat into. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking earlier when you pulled up last night and I handed you a power cord. Yeah. Um, you know, I said, do you need anything in the morning? You said, no, I'm fine. You took a shower early. You want to come in? No, I got a shower in the air. So you're, 
don't leave your house unlocked for me. I'm totally self-contained. Right. I'm just out here on the curb. I don't need anything. <laughs> um, and I, I think, and I had this conversation with um, Gypsy Soul, uh, Roman Warwick and Slut Swan years ago on, on this on this show. And they were looking for an RV at the time, and I think they have one now. But they were, you know, traveling in their car from, I think, Jackson or Medford. And they said every time we go to a hotel, we have to unlock, you know, take everything out of the car, put it in a hotel room, and then it's time for the gig, take it out of the hotel, load it back to the car. Because you can't leave stuff in the car. Right. So there's a lot of time and energy involved, you know, in moving your, moving your stuff back and forth, and you don't have to deal with that. You're absolutely correct. And the other thing that used to really get to me before I had the RV was, um, you know, when I did do some touring, if you did the classic, you know, fly-in, get the rental car, go to the hotel room, uh, mm -hmm. check, go to the venue, go back... You spend so much time going between the venue and the hotel room, back and forth, you know, yeah. eating dinner, and, and it's extremely taxing. And with the RV, I just pull up behind the venue and go, hey, "Hi guys, I'm, good. Yeah. I'm here. Call yeah. me when sound check." You know, right, right. And so, yeah, there there are some huge advantages. It's a big to energy it. savings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, energy in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not a big mystery why. A lot of those bands, the big guys, the the big stars that that have the budgets, tour in buses. It's just easier, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, they pull up and they're done, and they can. I'm here. They can chill. They can whatever. Yeah. Exactly right. And and you know, and, and those guys oftentimes have drivers, so when they finish the gig, you know, uh, they can go to sleep. The driver will drive all night and mm -hmm. get them to the next gig. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometime during this course of events, actually, I think right before we left, you released a new CD this year. Mm -hmm. Lightning's, Lightning's Cadillac. Cadillac. <laughs> and I've heard a lot of these songs live, I think, when you played our series last year. Yes. And I'm glad to finally have a copy of the Rubber Band song. Oh, good. Yeah. So how did this CD come about? And so I, I think we were talking earlier. We've been talking for several hours, but you're not going to hear that part of it. Um, that's all the good stuff. That's all the good stuff. <laughs> if you email me, I'll tell you some, some, some <laughs> into what we talked about. Michael at MichaelGaither.com. Um, we were talking earlier about these these came in like just before you left, I think, on tour. Yes, I, I literally got them the day before yeah. I left. And um, I was racing to get it done. And um, uh, But I'm, I'm real happy with it. And, mm -hmm. and it was great to have it have a new CD out there because I haven't had a new CD to, since 2008. Oh, wow. So it was great to be able to offer people, you know, yeah, here's the one from this year. Right, yeah. right. And, and for all you uh, singer-songwriter artists out there, CD sales at house concerts are still big. You know, the download cards have not really taken over that that, <laughs> that niche yet. So USB sticks and little plastic cards aren't outselling CDs in not the at world. All. Not at all. That's sort of the argument. CDs are, CDs are dying, and they're going away. But when you play shows, people are people seem to still want to take something home. Absolutely, and it, and that's exactly right. And if they want to physically take something home, and you know, a download card doesn't do it. Yeah. And a CD does. It's it's can be graphicy and colorful, and you know, it's got a little heft to it. You know. You can sign it. It's you can tangent. sign it. Absolutely, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
all those things that aren't there really with a download card or a, a USB yeah. stick or something. And I know the, I know the answer to this one, but you've tr you've actually had download cards for a while, and talk about that a little bit. Well, I for I I got them because there were just a lot of songs I was performing live that weren't on CD yet, and. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have some way, if people wanted those songs, that they could go away with those songs. So, so I started using the download cards for that reason. Um, and it was I, kind of a menu option, right? Sort exactly. Of, yeah. yeah. But um, and they did solve that. You know, if if someone came in and, and liked a particular song that I didn't have recorded out or out on a CD yet, I could at least give them a way to get it. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as my new CD came out with all the, those songs on it. Then the download card became kind of for me in you know in the last year this small little time window has really become obsolete because that's not really what people want out there mm -hmm. you know and again you know we live on the on the west coast which is fairly tech advanced and mm -hmm. tech conscious um, there are just huge huge parts of the country that aren't quite you know they don't care that much you know right and, and they're still very CD oriented you know they. Um, so the I'm not saying the download card doesn't have a place it does, mm -hmm. but it is is definitely not taking over CD sales. Um, That's interesting. In house concerts or even festivals, festivals again same thing. People want to take away something kind of you know almost um, not not to use this word in a denigrating way, but they want a souvenir, mm -hmm. you know, and a CD really satisfies that. Yeah. You know, whereas a download card or a, you know. USB stick ain't gonna do it. It's like buying a T-shirt. It's, 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 it's a, you know, a souvenir is a fine, fine word. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a record of what I got from the festival when I That's saw Damp Life. Yeah, and then if you, then if you can, if it's something you can sign, you know, and, and not just sign, but you know, put their name to to Bill and Judy, you know, yeah, Dana Hubbard, you know, and. That's a big deal to people, and and I would say that you know maybe being a little um, snobbish about this, but if but if you're not into connecting with people, I mean, don't don't take this don't up this. as your occupation. <laughs> exactly. man. It's all about connecting with people, yeah. you know. And, and plus, what's really important too is it's really hard to sign a USB stick. Yeah, it's kind of difficult. You know, I can't find a pen with a fine enough point where I can sign a USB stick. Plus, <laughs> like you ultra micro razor make sure fine point yeah, thick pen. They're better to make sure they're not black, or yeah. you're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And what I found, we were talking earlier, but I wanted to reiterate this too: is you know, with my new record out, um, you know, I've I've been soliciting a lot of DJs. Like, do you want a copy? Do you want to download? And 98% want a physical CD. So if you're mm -hmm. sending your music out, I mean, I, I did some download promotion and I got I got some response, but most of the DJs, the DJs that I've talked directly to said, you know, we can do digital, but it's so cumbersome to have to manipulate all those files. And and I, I want a disc that I can put in my car and hold in my hand and, and move around and put in a stack. And mm -hmm. so I don't, I, I think the death of CD is a little farther away than the critics the, the predictors might think it really is. I would agree. And yeah. I think, um, interesting enough, I hadn't thought about this until you said it. I'm not sure that download cards or, or USB sticks or, or those things are going to be the thing that replaces it. No. I'd be really curious. Of course, we'd be really rich if we knew what right, was going to replace right. it. But I'd, I'd be really curious to know what is going to come along and replace it. Because um, probably some of your listeners aren't old enough to remember this, but the big switch from vinyl to CD, there were there were a lot of the same concerns. Mm -hmm. Was that the CD package didn't give enough room for what people were used to receiving on a you know an album size right. thing, and um, 
And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what might come along to replace it. As an aside, I interviewed John Cowan a couple of years ago, and he, and he was talking from the stage, and he said, the problem with record cover is like with CD covers is, you know, first of all, we like those big those big album covers. He goes, the problem with CDs is, is, is this is John Cowan, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, he goes, with CD covers, he goes, we're too old. We can't read the damn thing because they're too small, and they're too small to roll a joint on. There you go. So that that was whole that whole media just kind of got obsolete. Um, but I, I think, and I was reading this. Um, we were joking about AAR, the AARP magazine. When you get a certain age, you start getting these, and every month it's like, oh look, Tim Allen is old this month. Right? And they were, there was this article about obsolete media. What's going to be obsolete in the next five years? And they said analog clocks because everything's on cell phones. And one of, the, one of the other items they listed was physical media, CDs, and they also listed USB sticks. Didn't list download cards because it wasn't a music article, but, but I think I don't see sticks and cards obsoleting CDs. I think we're going to go to the cloud or download. I think that's going to finally obsolete CDs. I would agree. And I think maybe it shows what we're going to end up with is maybe some kind of scanner where you probably want to buy my CD here, you know, swipe your card here in my iPhone. Right. Or my smartphone of choice. And then, bam, there's my CD. I think that's probably a logical next step. Yes. And, and I just thought of that, and we should patent it and be rich. <laughs> but, um, but I think this Well, is that falls in line with the fact that a lot of artists are going to the... I don't know what they're called because I haven't uh, studied enough yet. But the little way to, to with your iPhone or whatever phone to scan credit cards. The little square. Yeah. The square you plug in at the head. Yeah. Now that is something that um, is starting to become not expected at house concerts and, and festivals, but mm -hmm. it is starting, not it's starting to become requested. And and as that come that technology becomes more common, then if you don't have that you may you may lose some sales. Yeah. And so my point is that ties right in with what you just said about what may may or may not uh, replace the CD mm -hmm. is, is some kind of download thing where you would swipe a credit card and then someone downloads it. Uh, Probably swipe your card and your email address and then you've bought the CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, but still, see, we're not. You're not walking away with that souvenir. No. That thing that you're holding in your hand. Right. That thing that the artist signed. I think of the as the. God, this is this is a whole different head. As the as the smartphone becomes like the prevalent device, maybe that becomes what that maybe that becomes a souvenir. I don't know. We still lose something. So I have to give away smartphones at my no. Gigs? I mean <laughs> the data in a phone, but still, it's not as it's not as personal as, as sign. You can't sign anything. No, exactly. Yeah, so it's interesting. I know at my at my release concert in August, there was I think I lost at least one sale because I didn't have a credit card reader. Right. So oh, I didn't bring any checks. Do you take credit cards? No, but I should. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Let's. I don't want to not talk about your CDs. So we talk about all the tech stuff and where how this is all going to heck. But let's <laughs> talk about the record. How is this different from your previous records? And where'd you record it? And well, I recorded this uh, similarly to the 2008 CD, uh, the Groundskeeper uh -huh. CD. Um, a fine, fine. I would say. Um, I don't know if this is going to help your listeners much, but uh, one of the risks I took on this CD is I mastered it myself. Ooh. And that was a real risk because masters and people that do recording really love to hold that out as the the mysterious, you know, alchemy, right? You know, right? Of whether your CD is going to be liked or not. Mm -hmm. And when I was approaching that, um, 
I was realizing that none of the mastering jobs that were done on my previous CDs, and I won't mention any names of who mastered them, but um, uh, I was thinking, you know, I'm not terribly excited about any of those mastering jobs. Mm. And I thought, well, what the heck? I can do a mastering job that maybe I'm not excited about. Right. But actually, I'm very proud to say people have reported this CD sounds better than any of my previous CDs. Nice. And I did the mastering. And so what's really exciting for me, without bragging, it's very exciting to me that if I can do the mastering, I can keep the cost down. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I can come out with CDs more often. Right. And for me, that's a big deal because I'm a very, I'm a live performer. Mm -hmm. That's where I live. Right. Um, And so... My, I'm hoping my next project is a live CD called... I was going to ask. Yeah, called from... Because I perform so much and I perform in a lot of situations that are quiet enough like house concerts that you can probably... I already have a couple good takes. Mm-hmm. And and so my point is the, the cost of... You know, coming out with a CD every year is really hard. Uh, I would love to be able to come out with a CD every couple years maybe, mm-hmm. but I've never even gotten close. My last CD was 2008. This came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. The one before that was 2002. So that oh, shows okay. how long it goes between CDs. And right. even though I wanted this one out, this new one came out in 2012, I wanted it out in 2010. That's how yeah. difficult. Yeah, because I've heard, and I've heard a lot of these songs for a while. Yes, and that's yeah. what was getting bad. I mean, I was performing all these songs. Uh, some of them had won competitions. Right. And they weren't out on a CD yet. Right, which is why you're doing you're doing the menu kind of choice drop card thing to exactly let people buy those songs. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask too: is, Would your next project be a live record? Because I've I've seen you live several times, and that's kind of and and then I think we had this conversation about me early, not to turn it around, but I think you know if if you tend to tell a lot of stories about your songs and you do a studio record, you don't really capture that. No, no, yeah. and uh, especially in the house concert shows. The people just love the stories. You know? Know. So if you yeah. could capture a story, um, if you could capture a great version of a certain song that also had the story in front of it, that would be a great... Uh, That's my next project. Yeah. 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 So does that mean like next year we're going to be here again doing another Dana yeah. Hubbard podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> about the next... Well, I maybe two so. years. Give me two All years. Right. No use every year. <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs> Pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. well, congrats on the new record. And Thanks. It's like, it's like always good seeing you. It's, yeah, well, it's once congrats a year, on yours. Thanks. Yeah. And we'll talk to you um, soon, I hope. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. And once again, that was Dana Hubbard talking about seven months on the road. My goodness. And uh, the new record, Lightning's Cadillac. Always nice hanging out with Dana Hubbard. In fact, I just got an email. I think he's coming through California again later this month, so we're going to probably hang out. Um, without the pretense of an event or an interview, it's going to probably just hang out and, and visit and play a little bit and have some fun. Uh, you can find out more about Dana Hubbard at DanaHubbard.com. You can also go to MichaelGaither.com and uh, click on all the Dana Hubbard links. How, how about that for convenience? Uh, really good um, talking to Dana Hubbard, as always. Uh, coming up next on the, uh, the next couple episodes, we're going to be doing a field trip in a couple of weeks. I recently talked to... Stevie Coyle, who uh, you might remember from one of my early podcasts, he uh, was was in the he was in the the Waybacks for a, a long time, a Bay Area favorite, and then he's been a solo artist for the last six, and he just kind of decided to take a break from touring, and he's opened 
a guitar store called Mighty Fine Mighty Fine Guitars up in Lafayette, and I went up there and played a bunch of very nice guitars and uh, talked to Stevie about how this whole endeavor kind of rolled up, and uh, it was really fun. Also talking to Nancy Cassidy yesterday afternoon about her new record, Song of Joy, so we'll be doing that. And uh, I think I'm doing a belated inter- uh, podcast on my new record, which still counts as my new record, Starlight Drive-In Saturday Night. We're going to have somebody interview me for that. So, And, and a couple other field trips you'll hear about in the, ne- in the coming weeks or so. So a uh, lot of cool stuff coming up on Songs and Stories. And whether you heard this on Grateful Dread Radio, Casey Cafe Radio, my website, michaelgaither.com, or you found it on iTunes or Facebook or one of the interwebs somewhere, Thanks for listening, and if you get a chance, please visit the website at michaelgaither.com. There's lots more podcasts and a little bit about me and videos and music and lots of other artist information. It's kind of fun to just uh, collect other people's stories and share them as well. So I think what I'm going to do is uh, fade out my bouncy theme music, which, if you're curious, is the the music bed to my song, She's My Superpower. And then we're going to close with another little bit of uh, Lightning's Cadillac, a song off the, the CD Lightning's Cadillac. This is When Angels Stop and Stare, another really pretty song from Dana Hubbard off Lightning's Cadillac. I'm Michael Gaither. Thanks for listening to Songs and Stories. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. I know the most beautiful sound in the world. It comes from the other room It comes from a girl Perhaps when she's distracted With some simple chore It comes quietly Through her open door It's the sound of her voice singing softly to herself With no intent It's not meant for anybody else So beautiful And she's so Stop.